Hello and welcome to your trash pals. This is Van Notes. I'm you're getting a full view of my room slash studio right now, um, including the butt of my cat, because unfortunately, Ren got hit with an even worse sick than the last sick. So you are stuck with me as your sole uh your trash pals host. Ren should be back in business. Ren just had the froggiest throat, um, and I feel terrible because I was making Ren laugh um, as we were trying to get started. But it is 5 a.m. somewhere, so that means the garbage collectors are coming to take out the trash, uh, but we won't throw you out. We always promise that every episode, and it's true. We're not going to throw you out for your terrible trash opinions um, unless you get canceled, and we'll see if we dogpile on you. Um, just kidding. Ren's not here, so my filter is absolutely off. Like I said, welcome to your Trash Pals, coming to you live from Elmo's Adventures in Grouchland. So to get started, I would just like to say um, that I will make no apologies to Coco Frio, uh, beloved Boise drag queen for saying that she excessively requests the Cupid Shuffle. Um, I will not apologize. I will not take back any of my statements that she needs to reduce and recycle her use of the Cupid Shuffle. And I will continue into trying to goad her into coming onto the podcast, uh, where she will definitely KO me um, and most assuredly take me out in one-on-one. Uh, CQC combat, but um, today's episode is not about Coco Frio. It is all about tiny plastic toys. Uh, it is all about those little guys that turn into vehicles and airplanes and all those good things. Uh, and it is also my birthday. So January 29 is my birthday, and I'm excited to celebrate by talking with our very special guest. So our guest this week, which thankfully we have a guest or else I would be sitting here monologuing the entire episode, is the wonderful Madeline McGrain. Madeline McGrain is my BFF and also a cartoonist and illustrator living in Minneapolis. Uh, she also hails from the great state of Wisconsin, which is home to the Hodag, the best of all the cryptids in the United States. Uh, she is the author and illustrator of the Accursed Vampire graphic novels featuring that beloved little scamp Dragos, Drago, Dragoslava. I can say that name. Uh, she has worked on comics for Marvel, College Humor, and Disney Publishing, among other clients. She's worked for the House of Mouse. Um, and in her spare time, she publishes mini comics. I'm now releasing her from the dungeon of your trash pals um, or the, the sewer drain. Uh, but it's Madeline! Yay! Hello. Thank you for having me on your trash pals. Um, I'm so excited that I could goad you, my beloved friend, into coming onto a podcast. So. <laughs> This is all I do is just goading you into various activities. Yes, yes. Our entire dynamic. Madeline, we always like to start each episode. What trash are you consuming this week? What what garbage content, 
besides our wonderful topic for this week, what what are you consuming? Um, I don't know. I think I like to justify anything I consume and so that I have to believe it isn't trash. But I am kind of job hunting right now. So I'm spending a little more time than usual on LinkedIn. And I think I think LinkedIn is trash. I think LinkedIn <laughs> is trash. Is there a specific like LinkedIn phenomenon you're like experiencing hard right now? Um, I, I don't know, like, I mean, I feel like this is a thing on all social media. It's just like something people do to like get engagement. But anytime someone is on LinkedIn, like asking like a weird little question about business and like trying to get a response, it just like makes me so furious. And it's always just like <laughs> so strange and inane and like has nothing to do with anything. I don't know. I don't know. Is it like questions like, how do you start your day? Or like, what are, I'm trying to think, what are your kernels of wisdom? Yeah, basically like that. But it's more about like, how do you start your day as a designer at a company? And how do you extract more from your employees? Something like that. I don't know. I we we loved LinkedIn on the pod. We we love the terrible grind culture that it perpetuates. That's a whole we we should be sponsored by LinkedIn, really. I mean, yeah, you, you should be. LinkedIn um, and Grinder um are two favorite apps on this podcast. I do, I do love it when you show me Grinder. Um yeah, my sister loves LinkedIn culture. It is actually the last app she'll delete if she's like purging social media, which I love. I love that LinkedIn is like her tried and true as like, I will remain connected to the world in this way. Um, I guess one thing, I one small thing I will say in LinkedIn's favor is that there is, like people do behave on there. Like it's very artificial, but... I think that's also maybe a positive thing in some ways because, you know, you have like a set, you have set expectations. You're not just yelling and whining and I don't know. There is a level of decorum. Yeah. And I can appreciate that. No one's posting um, Casey Green's dick butt constantly. Like (laughs) maybe I should do that on LinkedIn. (laughs) Become a LinkedIn disruptor. Yes. Is is Casey Green on LinkedIn? Can we connect on LinkedIn? I would love it if Casey Casey Green is probably the if he's on LinkedIn, then like he is the disruptor. That would, that's a fascinating prospect. Um everyone look up Casey Green on uh, LinkedIn, apparently. That's um and if he doesn't have one, uh we'll we'll create one for him, I guess um poses casey green that's someone's new internet branding strategy so um i have been oh go ahead oh um you could have like a i don't know if you could have like fan pages on linkedin but we could make a casey green fan page on linkedin i don't know you could probably create like a fake company like um yeah but you might have to like slightly alter it like casey green's electronic fans factory we'll have to make a a, a company for our fan club and then we'll have a page 
for the fan club, which is a company. And then we'll end up forgetting about it. And then people will be congratulating us on our work anniversaries. Yeah. Or we'll like do that thing where it sends an email to all of your contacts and lets them know. Let them know. <laughs> started working at Casey Green's Electronic Fan Company. Um, I have been watching has been hotel i watched the first episode on youtube just before this episode um which i think i made you watch hell of a boss right no we um the last time that we were hanging out in person we could not we just didn't or like didn't want to watch it on a computer and couldn't hook it up to the tv so i have never been blessed with hell of a boss but tell me about has been hotel so Hasbro Hotel is a little hard to for me to talk about in comparison without like having hell of a boss knowledge um, already. It was like so both of them are cartoons by Vivzy Pop, um, who is like peak Tumblr like aesthetic. Like there's never been anything more Tumblr than like her aesthetic and Hasbro Hotel was like created and then it got picked up by A24 um who brought us Hereditary and Midsommar um and they this is their first cartoon and someone I think described it and I wish I could attribute this but like it really is what a BYU student believes r-rated movies are like <laughs> it's really like if they if, if whatever they imagine an r-rated movie is or like an r-rated tv show or like a mature tv show has been a hotel really is just like fuck fuck damn damn shit shit um there's a ton of musical numbers in it uh it's very musical heavy and it's very lore heavy um there's a lot of lore to this cartoon which i think is also very tumblr to have extensive lore um i don't really love it i i think hell of a boss is more fun if i was to choose between the two just because there's more like the characters are more established and bounce off of each other better but yeah i I've been in that hell. I just, I've watched all of Hell of a Boss for whatever reason. I want to connect with the youth. Um, and I watched the first episode of Has Been Hotel right now. And it's not a, I don't get the whimsy I get from Hell of a Boss. Trash is definitely about whimsy. Like, do you think A24, you know, making maybe working with the studio just like drained the whimsy out? Or <laughs> is Hell of a Boss maybe just like a better a better idea? I don't know. I think the concept of Hell of a Boss is more like the, it's better for like episodic television, I feel like. Like you, you get the Looney Tunes like hit out of it. Okay. Yeah. That's my, that's my trash, trash wreck. Um, actually not even a wreck, more like a lukewarm. I watched it. So mm -hmm. other than that, I've been trying to consume literature. Have you read any works of literature? Um, actually, yes. I have been trying to read works of literature. Um, 
I am like a little over halfway through reading um, Emile Zola's The Debacle uh, about the about holy the cow, um, and it's interesting. Dang, Zola is real literature. That's not like fake literature. That's not water for elephants. I, I guess so. Um, I feel I feel like this uh, translation is like I don't know. It's pretty like fun and punchy and like not hard to read. I read another Zola, mm. and that one was like a trial to get through. Like I liked it a lot, but it was it was much harder. And this one is. This one is very fun. Hmm. I mean, except when like horrible things are happening because there's a war. Man, I just finished um, Kim Fu's Monsters of the 21st Century. Have you, the cover I think you might recognize. Um, let me see, do I have it just like sitting right here? Quick grab it. It's this one that's going around. Oh, okay, I have, I have not seen that. Yeah, it's. I think it might be because the author's from the Northwest that people are more like into it, I guess, or it might be a regional hit. Very okay. good, like flash to like more f on the short story spectrum. It's more on the flash end of short stories, and I'm gonna be writing a little bit about it for seasonal produce, just like it in comparison to like. James Baldwin's Giovanni's Room, talking about like the proximity of violence to intimacy to sex, and yeah, I I feel good things about it. Having finished a whole short story collection, which isn't always easy. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes I read like three short stories, and then it's like that's enough. I'll get to the rest <laughs> later. And then it sits. And it has a nice long sit. Even, like, really good authors like Ursula K. Le Guin, like, a short story collection can be a slog. Like, because not all of them are the best. Zadie Smith's short story collection, I was very surprised, wasn't my favorite thing. Even though some of those were, like, some of my favorite short stories of all time. Mm. Uh, Zadie Smith is, yeah. A lot of them were so idiosyncratic that when you, like, grouped them together, they were, like, not they didn't mesh well together as a piece. That's like interesting to think about, like with collecting work. I suppose if I had collected work, it would be comics, but it's like, I guess just because it's all you doesn't necessarily mean it makes a good book altogether. Yeah. I'm thinking about with your work, if like vampire horse, um, your character vampire horse was just like placed next to your like bird daughters comic, <laughs> just like in, just totally incongruous with each other. Like, fun vampire western with like a fantasy short fiction deconstruction. Yeah, you never know what'll work and what won't work together. So, Madeline, I have one of my classic signature games here, ready to go for you. Uh, it is a this is this is the game's name. It's your pals trash instead of your trash pals. Um, and the game is is that I have some questions for you, and I'm interested to see if we can get the answers for each other. Um, I tried to write things that 
I there was enough variability that we might not line up even knowing each other as friends fairly well. Uh, but we'll see how successful we are. Are, are you ready to play my little game? Yes. My little jigsaw game. Okay. So first question, and I'll let you go first, and then I'll I'll answer after you go. Uh, what was my first manga? Um, I don't know this one, so I'm gonna like guess and say uh, like Dragon Ball. Oh, that's why would you say Dragon Ball? Um, it was just like around. It was in the library all the time. There were a lot of them, so it would be like easy to find one. I think. Okay, that's you're very close. You're very approximate. Um, my first manga was Sandland by Akira Toriyama. So his little little one that's getting made into a video game now and a like movie. It's all of a sudden like 20 years later like coming back real strong. Yeah. Why not? Uh, and I'm pretty sure your first manga was Naruto. Is that not correct? It's not. Oh no. What was your um, first manga? My first manga, I went to the library and I checked out two volumes of manga and one of them was like volume one of Fruits Basket and the other one was volume four, like not not the first volume of Full Metal Alchemist. So I read them at the same time, out of order. <laughs> the Fruits Basket one, I didn't know because I feel like I had a slight returning Fruits Basket phase when the anime came out and I don't remember like any glimmer of nostalgia from you. Oh, I... There was like a recent new anime, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I kind of just, it didn't really register. Like I knew it was happening, but I didn't think that much about it. Or I wasn't in a nostalgia mood at the time. You weren't thinking all about uh, all those classic Fruit Baskets characters that have names that all blur together for me right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, all the all the guys. All I remember was the Mabadachi trio as being the only thing my friend group cared about. <laughs> that makes that's make that makes sense. That's respectable. Okay, you brought up Full Metal Alchemist, which foreshadows this next question, which I I'm surprised. Um, who is your favorite Full Metal Alchemist? Who do you think my favorite Full Metal Alchemist character is? Um, I've stumped you so hard. The, the muscly guy? Arms? <laughs> yes! I'm glad it was very predictable. I could see you sorting out, like, first thought to, like, thinking more um, expansively on it. Yeah. But that was, like, my, my definitely my first, first reaction. And then I decided to think a little harder. And then I went back to my first reaction. I would say for you, my thought is probably Armstrong's sister. Yeah, is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. At the at the moment, <laughs> I think my my favorite character changes from time to time, and I haven't revisited Full Metal Alchemist recently, so I don't know. But that's we'll say yes. Oh man, we're doing so well at this. Um, this is. This is going to be a hard one, I feel like, for both of us. Or maybe mine will be easier because I think you know mine. 
Um, which is your favorite, or which is my favorite Star Wars movie? Um, I fully guessing. Um, uh, Return of the Jedi. Ooh, mm. it is not Return of the Jedi, but it is. Um, yeah, mine is, but it is a second in the in the like trilogy structure of the Skywalker saga. Um, it is it is the last Jedi, one hundred percent. Really? Yes, the very controversial take. So <laughs> I love Luke Skywalker Force Ghost. It made me cry tons and tons of mm-hmm. tears. Um, yeah, I loved like a lot of things about that movie. I should rewatch it at some point. I talked to you about how I needed I regretted not having a box set of all the Star Wars movies. Mm. I think I was too hungry when I saw The Last Jedi and that made me not like it. That's right. I forgot that that was your like strong sense memory of The Last Jedi was being too damn hungry and not paying attention. I feel like there's multiple points where it could have ended and I just like really wanted it to end and it just like wouldn't wouldn't do that for me. And I wouldn't say that's a movie that drags either in my memory of it. So that's also very funny. (laughs) Just begging for the end. Okay. This is, this is purely, I think, based off of vibes, but me for you, I think it's the Clone Wars mostly based on aesthetics and characters that appeared the the clone the attack of the clones or like the show oh yeah attack of the clones number two not the animated cgi one uh, that's a that's an interesting guess i think i would say my favorite is revenge of the sith um okay. i am a prequels liker i they're kind of my favorite. They're what I grew up with. They're what I think of as Star Wars. Um, they're very important to me. I recognize their flaws. This is a podcast that's called Your Trash Pals. No one's going to judge you for loving the prequels. That's that's okay. not our fan well, base. Then. We we try to have a parasocial relationship with. So don't apologize, Madeline. I think. Maybe, like, the reason why um, Attack of the Clones was, like, so strongly in my head as your favorite was the um, the opening scene with the cool shapeshifter assassin lady, whose oh. name I'm totally forgetting. Her name is Sam Wessel, and honestly, I don't care that much about her. She's fine. <gasps> oh, now that's a controversial opinion amongst our, yeah. our probably our listeners. I'm not a damn lesbian lesbian. That's so funny. Um, okay. Your favorite vampire movie. Or I guess I'm gonna try this one first because I feel very strongly in thinking that your favorite vampire movie is interview with a vampire. But I might be wrong. Um that's a good guess. I do love Interview with a Vampire. I think it's one of the best movies of all time. It's uh, definitely um, the best Tom Cruise role. He does a wonderful job as Lestat. Uh, my favorite vampire movie is Byzantium, which is also directed oh. by Neil Jordan. Um, 
And I don't know if I've ever talked about it in front of you, so I would understand why you would not know that. What's that one about? I don't even know. Um, it's about a two vampires, a mom and a daughter, and they're kind of being hunted by these, like, this organization of, like, shitty vampire men, um, and they kind of flee to, like, a seaside town, and stuff happens, and it's cool, and there's a, a blood waterfall. <gasps> oh, I do need to watch this now. This is, I think this just jumped. Okay. Um, that could be my new favorite very well after, after I watch it. Okay. Now, now do me. Now. Um, I'm just going to say Twilight because I know you were like a Twilight teen. And I, I don't know about your vampire taste outside of Twilight and the <laughs> anthology that we made. Which, which Twilight movie do you think is my favorite? Um, I'm just going to say the first one. Oh, that is a little basic for me, Madeline. I, that's a little, I will chastise you for that, that you think Twilight one would be my favorite. Um, I do love Twilight four Breaking Dawn part two. Ah, okay. okay. Yeah, I still, I still think that finale is one of my favorite moments in all of cinema um the big fake vampire fight still one of the best things i've seen on screen and as many it have is? said an excellent x-men movie yes yes it is although the the baseball scene is probably it really would be in between the baseball scene and that final fight as like my favorite twilight moment of like all time but the baseball scene does does do it for me every time. Never, never loses its luster. So the last question I have, leading into our very important conversation, um, who do you think is my favorite Transformer? This is so hard. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we're about to have probably the deepest discussion we've ever had about transformers so i don't i don't know if there's a specific a specific guy for you um must choose you must choose um the wheels are turning i don't know why i don't know why i'm frozen by this um, <laughs> this is a very intimate question i feel like and i just i don't i don't have like any idea i'll say i'm basic okay um let's let's go uh i don't know this is too much pressure <laughs> this is the greatest test of our friendship thus far with absolutely no stakes we've had so many more <laughs> like crisis scenarios i feel like in our friendship <laughs> i i suppose i just like i don't like being wrong but um i'm just gonna say optimus prime you know you got it oh good Good. You won! You won my little game. Yes, it's 100% Optimus Prime. Like, just the most basic, basic Optimus Prime fanboy. So, you've, you've succeeded. You've passed. Um, for you, after all of our Beast Wars watching, I know you most in the context of Beast Wars. Um, I would say Black Arachnia but I'm not sure. Um, 
I do like Black Arachnia. Black Arachnia um, might be my favorite Beast War character, Beast Wars character. Um, I do. I like her a lot. Um, she's mean and very beautiful. Um, I would say that I'm also a big Optimus Prime fan, like for other other Transformers. Um, it's hard I not like to all. love Optimus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he's the most like aesthetically pleasing i feel like consistently his gimmick is really easy to understand or like his transformations really easy to understand his trailers cool um yeah if you if you don't love optimus you love megatron except if you love starscream and there's those people out there there's so many of them out there they, they could be anywhere <laughs> they yeah um, so that really does bring us into the meat of our conversation. True Transformers the Movie talk. Uh, Madeline, I'd never seen Transformers the Movie before, but when I convinced you to come on to this podcast, I used it as an excuse so that I could watch Transformers the Movie. Um, what was your first encounter with this work of cinema? Um... I became a Transformers enjoyer relatively recently. So I think I watched the movie for the first time in maybe uh, 2017 or 2018 um, on like watchcartoons.com or something. So tiny and low quality. Um, and I like had heard a lot about it. I mean, you hear about it all the time. Um, and so I was and was not prepared for like what it actually is, but I just, you know, watched it alone on my laptop and it, it was, it's an experience. It is an experience. It is assuredly, uh, for the listeners, we are not talking about Transformers, the, uh, movie by Michael Bay. We are talking about the 1986, I believe, cartoon, uh, that was, about halfway through the original Transformers series, or Gen 1, as as the nerds love to call it. Um, but uh, yeah, and it's, it's really a transition movie. Like, I didn't realize that going in, that this was, like, to promo a million new Transformers. Um, yeah, and it's, like, very famously, like, a cynical way to like kill off your toys so you can sell new toys um and i think that's just what its legacy is mainly yeah it is it's very aggressively i after watching godzilla minus one and my complaints to you that it didn't try to sell me toys enough um, and that was its failure as a film. <laughs> I've been thinking about all films in terms of uh, whether they will sell me toys or not. And Transformers the movie was the most successful on the toy selling scale. Like it was maxing out. Like my entire impulse, the whole movie was, I want to buy these toys. Yes, it's very strong. Um, I think I did have like a pretty intense for me toy buying phase around the first time I saw it. So 
and I've cooled down on that. I have um, impulse control now. There's only so much room for toys until you buy storage units and like curio, huge curio cabinets. Yeah, I can't, I can't do that yet. I can't let myself do that. Yeah. We are not to Guillermo del Toro levels where we have a whole house devoted to our weird toys. Someday. Someday. Someday an extra Guillermo. wing. Someday Guillermo del Toro will like collect our original arts. We'll <laughs> I would be honored. That would be like high echelon. You have more chance of it than me because you draw more monsters and spooky things. Way more likely to be hunted by Guillermo for your work. <laughs> the one thing I was blown away by with the Transformers movie was how dope the intro is. Like, as I was watching, like, Unicron eat a planet, I genuinely thought to myself, this is better than Akira. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not, like, lying either. Like, I thought it was cooler than the opening of Akira. The intro is, it's, it's sick. I don't know. It's really, like, it's very, very cool. I don't, maybe, maybe the best part of the movie. Maybe not. Yeah, just Unicron, the giant planet-sized transformer, just munching down, munching down on... This is the other thing about the Transformers franchise. I always forget that humans are the anomaly and most aliens are robots. Yeah. Like, There's especially like this movie. Of other robots. And, like, I feel really sad about the robots from that planet that just get eaten. Um... Like, they seem, they seem cool. I would hang out with them, but I can't anymore. They were just, like, mixing cocktails. Yeah, it's so fun. They're not at war. But... They're chilling. So this is, like, deep, like, Transformers lore. Isn't Unicron's, like, arch enemy the Transformers planet? Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't, I don't know. Because I feel like it's different in various continuities and i don't necessarily like want to get on the fan wiki i feel read something for something that i've never like read oh i forgot it is i i have been on this fan wiki before because i got really fascinated by the cosmology of the transformers universe and that their god is their planet um and his name is primus yes that and I forgot, like he can also transform as well as Unicron. That makes sense. So he was trying. He was trying to eat his. The devil was trying to eat God all throughout the Transformers movie. Um, real, real crazy biblical. Um, I think the other thing this movie is really famous for is the spoilers for like 15 minutes into the movie, the death of Optimus Prime. Yes. Did the death of Optimus Prime resonate with you as an adult loving toys engaging with this 1986 film for the first time? Um, a little bit because I'm emotional. Um, but like going in, I'm aware that they like bring him back in the final season of the cartoon. Um, it's become a repeated thing where like he gets killed and brought back to life in some other. Like that happens in the Bay movies, and I think that happens in some other cartoons. So it's just kind of like 
like you expect it to happen. I feel like it happens way too soon in the movie. Like if I was making it, I I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done it that way. But I was a little sad. But it was also just like I knew going into it. It's such a um, I think I called it cynical already, but cynical way of getting rid of a toy to replace it with another toy that it's just it's a little funny. I love that you get three like prime like transformers that you could like market to children out of this film. You get like Optimus dying, then you get his replacement for like most of the movie, which I can't remember what his name is. And then you get um Hot Rod who becomes Rodimus Prime. Rodimus <laughs> Prime. And yeah, the other guy is uh Ultra Magnus. Oh yes, yes. How could I forget a name like uh, Ultra, Ultra Magnus? Another excellent name. Rodimus Prime really is, yeah, just a bunch of dudes sitting around trying to come up with the coolest name they can. Yeah, I wonder what the process for that was like. I wonder what writing this movie was like. I The one thing I, I did learn, I so my interest in watching the Transformers movie really started once I watched the G.I. Joe movie with um, our friend Chan Chow um, and their household. And that movie was so buck wild and like very sensory overwhelming and was very heavily like tied into the collective consciousness with the Transformers movie that I really did want to dive in. And then when I learned it was like the same creative team and the G.I. Joe movie is just so off the rails as far as like just making up a whole ancient civilization that Cobra Commander's from that's never been brought up before and that he's like a skeevy little lizard man in their society. Um, yeah, and it was also the death of Optimus Prime was apparently so controversial that they said Duke was like in a coma instead of dying and then he came out of it. But it's very, like, the characters are all, like, acting on screen as if Duke, the, like, main Transformer dude, had died. Um, it's so, uh, he's, yeah, it literally is just, like, all the characters are, like, I think they, like, cut away and all the characters are, like, he's okay. But <laughs> like, uh, I, yeah, it's so, I think, I want to write more media. I think that's just surrounding the generation of like making toys for my sake because it has brought us great things like spawn um great <laughs> pop cultural properties we're uh, circling around to spawn finally i try not to but it is an exceptional toy property i believe you i don't know i mean I sh i'm sure i've seen a spawn toy but I spawn is like so meaningless to me that i it just it doesn't stick in my mind. He very much is like the whole core ethos of like Spawn's development was because Todd McFarlane wasn't making enough money on toys. Um, and he wanted all the money from toys. So then he started I a toy company. That. I respect that so much. I'm so excited for us one day to become toy moguls. Um, I really want to outdo, I want to do something worse than Funko Pops. Worse than Funko Pops. 
which I guess was like NFTs, but I, I want oh, something physical at least. I don't know. Even less definition, just like orbs. Orbs. Character orbs. Oh, is that? <laughs> like, does it just do that? Oh, that's magical. Wow. I didn't know that. I'm going to do this to Ren all the time. It's making Yay. little hearts appear whenever I make a little heart with my hand. I did it in a circle first, so it was accidental for all of our audio listeners. That's delightful. Um, So, any more deep thoughts on the Transformers movie? Anything we really need to make sure we discuss before we dive into a little more contemporary Transformers culture? I I don't know. I guess um, I do really like when Megatron gets a makeover and becomes Galvatron. I think Galvatron is very beautiful, so I appreciate that a lot. Do you have a Galvatron toy? I have, like, a, a tiny Galvatron toy. He doesn't okay. transform, and he's, like, two inches tall, but I do. Is he, like... The wild thing is knowing that one, this is Orson Welles's last movie ever as the voice of Unicron, like one of the greatest creative minds of the 20th century, voicing big god transformer, devil transformer. And then you have Leonard Nimoy, who I forgot was at like a creative low point, I guess, in his career, or like. Uh, maybe like sadder point in his career like around this movie um and he's galvatron which i don't know if he was galvatron in the cartoon too i don't think so but i'm not 100 sure but yeah that is an interesting interesting to think about it that feels very like opportunist in an interesting way of just like being like Oh, yeah, we can scoop up these older actors. And maybe it was totally, like, altruistic. But it is, like, just a very interesting, like, oh, Orson Welles is here all of a sudden. Yeah, um, it is, I don't know. Again, I would like to know, like, what the process was and, like, why these people... Uh, did a did a quick search. He did change to another uh, voice actor for the the cartoon from the movie it looks like it was uh frank welker who uh ah. is the is the voice of uh fred from scooby-doo yeah also the voice of megatron and many other transformers and everyone else. oh and garfield and garfield and, and garfield <laughs> megatron can be a garfield i th that was yeah really interesting that there was like voice actors who came on just for this movie that didn't like recur into the series yeah i think i actually i mean obviously the first time i watched it i knew who leonard Nimoy was i knew who orson welles was i never like researched the cast but the the voice of hot rod is like one of the 80s teen movie guys and that's like kind of wild i mean the Spoilers, I mean, no spoilers, Madeline. We don't have to worry about spoilers. That You don't have to call him Hot Rod. He is Rodimus Prime. He is Rodimus Prime. I don't know if I like saying Rodimus Prime. I don't know if I like that. I don't, like, I don't know if I like the way that feels in my mouth. I've struggled with I this think for I, years. 
I think I like saying it more and more out loud the more I say it. Oh no. <laughs> I love I love Rodimus Prime. Um, feels ah. that feels wrong to say. It feels like I'm selling out. <laughs> like like I'm just doing this like tacit endorsement, like just like trying to convince the kids. I love Rodimus Prime. I I I can't even say it. I won't say it. I do like him. <laughs> He's a fine character. It is nice to see like that heroic arc of like stupid kid to like leader. I th I think that is a very interesting arc. I wish his name wasn't Rodimus Prime though. Yes. <laughs> it is a good arc. I don't think Hodimus Prime works any better. Hodimus Prime. Uh, you know, there's something to work with. You know. That's the magic of Transformers, is your name can be super silly. I didn't that realize is. RC's name is, like, like they phoneticize it, if that's even a word, for, like, the spelling. Like, it isn't just the, like, letters RC. It's, like, A-R-C-E-E. Yes. A -R -C -E -E. yes. That's terrible. Yeah. That is, well, that is a choice. I think the last thought I have on the film is that it is a sensory experience. I wish I was partaking in maybe some mind-altering substance of some level as the visuals and the story just, like, wash over me as I was partaking in this film. Uh, but it was, it, was a, it was a dandy time by the end of it. Uh, for listeners who are curious about Ren's thoughts, Ren will be tuning in with uh, her thoughts next week. She didn't watch. She watched two films that the episodes she didn't even like end up coming out. So a poor, a poor, unfortunate soul. Any final thoughts on your end, Madeline, before we dive into the modern day? Um, no, I'm ready to talk about comics. Okay. We barely ever want to talk about comics. We normally we normally scoff at them. But this is so Madeline and I are both huge well, I don't know about you. I'm using the word huge fan for myself. Um of the new Transformers comics that are coming out from Daniel Warren Johnson, uh the cartoonist behind Do a Powerbomb, very well complimented by the work of Mike Spencer on colors. It's very rare to have a cartoonist who you actually like their chosen colorist, I feel like, on, um, especially in, like, mainstream comics. Uh, but both of them are knocking it out on the contemporary Transformers comics. So it's the first comic I've read probably in my life where I'm going to the comic book store specifically to pick up, pick up floppy issues. Uh, which, yeah, is very unusual for me. Yeah, it's always, um, I've been buying uh, ebook copies because I don't feel like going all the way to the comic book store. Um, but it has been like a joy to read it every month. Like I've, I've been having a really good time experiencing that it that way. I love, yeah. And I think it's great just because it's, it's like core transformers like everything has kind of been like burned away like that feels like extraneous to the concept 
and Daniel Warren Johnson's like really isolated it down to like the humanity, humanity meeting this like alien force and then having to navigate like how scary and terrifying giant robots are, which I don't think any other Transformers comic has like really dramatized to me how scary Transformers are, even the Michael Bay movies. Yeah, yeah, not, I mean, I think people have tried for it, but I don't think perhaps as successfully. And I do enjoy how seriously, like, the idea of, like, Transformers and, like, how scary they are. I like how seriously that is taken without being, like, unnecessarily gritty. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it's, maybe, like... It's not trying to be Spawn. It's not trying to be Spawn. I love things that don't try to be spawn. I yeah, and Optimus Optimus is a beautiful soul in the comics. Like he continuously is like advocating for humans in a way. I feel like the Michael Bay Optimus is always so hard to love because he's always like humans are the best or whatever. And everyone's like, why does Optimus what is he? He's he just goes on like monologues, whereas like this Optimus is very much like responding to the events of the story, and we understand more and more how he like appreciates the fragility of life. Yeah, does a very very good job of showing that. I haven't watched any of the Bay movies in a while, but yeah, just like in contrast to how there are like. Optimus Prime monologues, but there's not necessarily a lot of like good conversations in it. Um, so yeah, compared to that, very, very good. Yeah, they they're characters, not just archetypes, which I think a lot of like Hollywood adaptations like are just like, oh, if we show this archetype doing their archetype thing, then we don't have to interact with them as characters. We just have to have Batman jumping around saying scary things yes which is important that is that is an important part of batman um we also both commented on the like sheer villainy of starscream in this comic just being awful (laughs) i'm i'm having a lot of fun with starscream starscream is like personally controversial to me i don't always enjoy him but he's just a nasty little freak here and i love it when he when he blew up the hospital because he was like there's a bunch of fleshy little things in here that like optimus cares about like just terrible just just awful and yeah it's so i think i mean no one has any strong like personal connection i feel like to the michael bay movies besides maybe like who who knows there's definitely someone out there who loves them but like again it's a very like they commit so much like endless destruction and violence in the transformers movies but none of it's character based so like you're just like oh they're just like tearing down another building but like in that moment like starscream has this very like visceral character moment of just like being like I can kill a bunch of humans that are already suffering. Like, this is awesome. Um, And then he does it. Yeah, Yeah, you get the interiority 
of the various characters and that's that's good that's good i think it's also one of the pieces of transformers media that i've seen relish the most the like mid transformation sequences of a transformer which are always the most interesting as a kid like i felt like whenever i played with them I always enjoyed them being halfway in between like their humanoid form and their like robot or dinosaur form. Yeah, I I am glad to see like the mid transformation panels. They're like always really weird and just like drive home that the transformers are just like something different when they're Yeah. Different. I think I wish I should have kept a copy out next to me as I was going here, but there's like a panel where I think it's one of the flying characters, so probably Starscream. There's a lot of panels of, like, the Transformers' heads just, like, rolling back at, like, such... Or, like, rolling forward at, like, such unnatural angles. And that's delightful. More robot body horror. So, yeah. Transformers, the contemporary comic coming out right now from Daniel Warren Johnson. And then... Jorge Corona is going to be the... Daniel Warren Johnson's going to keep writing, but Jorge Corona is going to be the artist on the next arc. It'll be different, but I'm still still intrigued. Uh, good comics, not trash. Definitely a treasure. Definitely a treasure. I am excited to see Jorge Corona's work when his issues come out. Yeah. We've both met Jorge very briefly, I think, at BCAF's past here at Boise Comic Art Festival's past. So, should be cool. So, Madeline, do you have anything you want to promote as we are closing out this podcast? Um, yeah, buy The Accursed Vampire and its sequel, The Accursed Vampire, The Curse at Witch Camp. Um, and buy any other comics by me that I may make in the future. Yes, definitely buy the until local hero came out there was a dearth of hodag i would say madeline is the the um, kickstarter of a hodag renaissance in comics um because you came out with uh, a hodag at uh in the witch camp graphic novel and then local hero uh an image comic had a character named the hodag I think hodags are just taking the comics by storm. Yeah, I think I think hodags have a place in comics. I do feel like kind of a poser using the hodag because um, the hodag is from northern Wisconsin and I am from the south end of Wisconsin. <laughs> but uh, Wisconsin's all the same to everybody else. So I don't. Yeah, I don't think anyone's too worried about your Wisconsin appropriation. <laughs> Your inner Wisconsin beefs and politics. Only I care about that. Did you know that Orson Welles is from Wisconsin? He was like born no. and grew up in. Yeah. But did he like, he probably, he left at like 14 though, right? To like go out I'm and sure seek his fortune. Yeah. He, I think he went to Ireland. That makes sense. Yeah. You start in Wisconsin and one day you become Unicron, Transformers Satan. That's That's how all great hero's journeys start um and as for your trash pals um definitely go out buy madeline's books they're all excellent incredible 
support Madeline's graphic novels, buy her zines whenever you see her hawking zines out there in the world. Um, they're always excellent. Follow Madeline on Instagram and you'll get to see delightful imps all the time. And thank you for listening to your Trash Pals. You can follow the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, our live Twitch and YouTube streams are hosted on Mondays and episodes go up on Thursdays. Uh, you can follow Ren and I both on Instagram. And you can write into the podcast either by DMing us on Instagram or any of our other platforms or by emailing your trash pals at gmail.com and ask us about whether we think something is trash or treasure. Um, and we will answer it here on the podcast because we haven't gotten uh, too many of those questions yet. So make sure you write in uh, and we will shout you out. Uh, and finally, as always, your trash pals is brought to you by many real advertisements, many real things that have sponsored us and want to make sure that you continue to get this excellent uh, Your Trash Pals content. Uh, and this episode was brought to you by GoBots. Do you like Transformers but wish they were blockier? Then Tonka has your new favorite childhood product. You'll want to collect such classic characters as Psykill, Phytor, Copter, Loco, Buggyman, Dumper, Bumper, Hands, Cuff, Dive Dive, Blockhead, Crane Brain, and Tank. So remember, if you want a toy that's more than meets the eye, don't buy Transformers. Purchase one of these fine robots with incredibly homoerotic names. And remember to reduce, reuse, recycle. Yay!